Welcome to Teacher's Lounge. We're a podcast from WNIJ telling the stories of education in Illinois with the help of conversations with local educators. It's hosted by me, Peter Medlin. New episodes come out every other Friday wherever you're listening to this. This is the fifth episode of the show, otherwise known as the episode in which I betray the name of our very show. That's right. This is a special edition episode, if you will, that uh, ties into our Enrollment Exodus series that we're doing across all of the Illinois public radio stations. So we've got just a bevy of different stories that you can check out. You can go over to WNIJ.org. And at this point, you could check out a whole week's worth of stories that are centered around the theme of enrollment, but explore a bunch of different topics, a bunch of different reporters, and you can find all of that right now on our website. But don't go anywhere first. But yeah, so this isn't a traditional episode of Teacher's Lounge, really. It's like if you read comic books, this is like picking up an annual real. Like, does this really fit in with what's going on overall in the series? But I promise that it does, so don't worry, and Teacher's Lounge will be back to normal next episode. So this week, filling in, we have my interview with Rich Egger. Now, Rich is the news director of Tri-States Public Radio in Macomb on the campus of Western Illinois University. So he's a news director. So he's, he's an educator of the public, if you will, if you'll grant me that. So our conversation is about Western and about how enrollment struggles have had a huge impact on the whole community that relies heavily on that university. Some of the problems might have to do with how the local leaders responded to it at the university. You know, a lot of the blame uh, goes on the state, too. That, that two-year state budget impasse, you know, that funding still has not been made up. But that was really damaging. We also have a short discussion about dessert recipes that you are not going to want to miss. That's later on in the show, but right now, let's get to it. So, enrollment exodus, what does that really mean? Well, on a fundamental level, it means that universities across the state have had a huge issue with enrollment declines that I'm sure you're aware of over the past couple years, especially, as Rich mentioned, with the state budget impasse. But with the enrollment issue, it feeds into so many other higher ed topics, and that includes enrollment of international students that's so important to U of I and Urbana-Champaign. It includes community college students and workforce programs. It includes schools which have turned things around and are now starting to grow again. Like I said, you can find all of those stories and more over at WNIJ.org or just search Enrollment Exodus on Google and they'll all come up. I just checked. It totally works. Now, my story as a part of that is about how after years and years of this falling enrollment, Illinois universities are paying more and more attention to keeping the students who are already walking their halls. Students often leave between their first and second year. That was the case for Chloe Watson. She was sitting in her dorm room near the end of her first year at Northern Illinois University when it hit her. She had to find roommates for the next year, but couldn't think of anyone she could live with. She never really found her place at the school, and truthfully, NIU wasn't her first choice to begin with. I do think it's a good school, and I have friends that still go there and they love it. I just don't think it was a good fit for me. Now she goes to the University of Illinois at Chicago. But schools like NIU are not as worried about losing students to other states or even other schools in Illinois. 
Lisa Castillo-Richmond is the managing director of the Partnership for College Completion. There used to be this sort of increasing fountain of enrollment. There was always more students coming through the pipeline. And because of those riches of, of the volume of students um, coming through the door, I think we were less focused on retention. They're a nonprofit that works with colleges in northern Illinois to help them increase retention rates and close equity gaps. When they take a look at their data, the biggest competitor that they have in many cases of students that are admitted to their institution and choose uh, not to attend is nowhere. In 2017, 72% of NIU freshmen came back the following fall. That's around the state average. Our state is one of the you know, worst offenders in terms of the size of the degree completion gap between our African-American students and our white students. At Western Illinois University, for example, white students return close to 80% of the time, while half of African-American students don't come back for their second year. There are some Illinois universities with sky-high retention rates. For example, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign is over 90%. According to the Partnership for College Completion, that could be linked in part to funding and resources. A lot of times, the institutions that are least well-resourced in this state are the ones that are serving representative populations. NIU prides itself on being accessible to underserved populations. A majority of students are first generation, more than 40% are students of color. But with retention, universities can't settle for access. Access without opportunity um, is problematic. That's Renit Kirsch. She's the Associate Vice Provost for Student Engagement and Success. It's part of her job to find the institutional stumbling blocks causing students to leave. It can be struggling with coursework, trying to figure out financial aid, or any number of issues. At Southern Illinois University at Carbondale, they sort through the same things. Racial gaps remain, but retention rates are slowly on the rise. African-American student retention is up to 59% from their low point of 45% only several years ago. Vernice Edgehill-Walton is NIU's chief diversity officer. If the majority of our students are first-gen, then it, it requires that we really look at how we can provide information about financial literacy and knowledge around na navigating campus and navigating college beyond orientation. For both NIU and SIU, that's meant changing how students are advised. In some cases, our advisor-to-student ratio was, was just too high. Renit Kirsch says whittling the ratio down to one advisor for every 300 students lets them interact more and intervene if a student is struggling. And to meet the needs of their different students, they have to get creative. Southern Illinois University now uses predictive analytics to identify students who may be struggling. And NIU has an AI chatbot on its website dishing out financial aid information. Even with a state budget increase for higher education this year, advocates say it's going to take a sustained effort on the part of each institution to make sure the students who come in, stay in, and when they do leave, it's with a degree. Even though this is a weird episode of Teacher's Lounge, we are still going to have our news roundup, and it's going to be about all of the 10-day enrollment numbers for the different public universities across the state that you might have missed. Overall, enrollment at Northern Illinois University fell to its lowest point in 50 years. It now sits at just over 16,600 students. But university officials say that's not cause for too much concern. They say they saw it coming, and they're encouraged by new student numbers, which did increase year to year. Sol Jensen says that they're also happy about other growth in other indicators. He's the vice president for enrollment management, marketing, and communication. He also says that boost to the state's Aim High grant program for Illinois students was instrumental in the increases that they did see.
This was also a, a very strong academic quality of our students. Um, last year, the average GPA was a 3.31. This year, it's bumped, bumped all the way up to a 3.36. We also saw an increase in our uh, average ACT and SAT scores. And I think that the scholarships played quite a big role in that. And in other news, enrollment at Eastern Illinois University in Charleston is up almost 4% from last year. They're up to 7,800 students and did see increases in freshman enrollment, graduate students, and transfers. Finally, at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, enrollment is down more than 8% since last year. But they do point out that their overall retention numbers, which we did talk about, are up this year. All right, now it's time for my conversation about Western Illinois University and the many purposes of public universities with my colleague, Tri-State's Public Radio News Director, Rich Egger in Macomb. July, July of 98, I came to uh, Tri-State's Public Radio. First time I had, you know, I worked for many years in commercial radio. I wanted to get into public radio. It's a great medium. It's just, you know, commercial radio, I felt like was turning more and more to, I don't know, ambulance chasing, siren chasing type of news. Um, I just uh, always admired the public radio style of longer form uh, storytelling, getting into issues that mattered rather than a, a lot of these smaller things. And you, know, uh, you could also see just uh, even in the late 90s, you could see corporations were starting to take over commercial radio stations from perhaps a family-owned or certainly locally-owned radio stations. Absolutely. And you know, speaking of things that matter, I saw in your bio that it says that you love to bake sugar-frosted chocolate bombs, and I have so many follow-up questions about this. <laughs> the, the, uh, they're actually, um, so it's a recipe I found in a, a newspaper probably like 25, 30 years ago. And it looked like an easy recipe to make, so I made them. Uh, I sometimes think I only get invited to parties because people know I'm going to bring these things. But I call them sugar-frosted chocolate bombs in in honor of Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, yes, Uh, that's right. Calvin used to eat a cereal with a similar type of name to that, and I just always thought that was great. So I went with the name sugar-frosted chocolate bombs. Basically, you make a, a chocolate dough with a few ingredients, you wrap, uh, wrap it around Hershey Kisses, you bake them, and then you drizzle white chocolate on top. And when they're still kind of warm, the center is all melty. See, this is it. This is the people are going to come for the, for the enrollment stories, for the strong education news, and they are going to stay for the sugar-frosted chocolate bombs. <laughs> all right, Rich, let's, let's get into it. You know, I wanted to, so your story, your leg of the relay race of this enrollment exodus statewide collaboration is uh, it's called Public Universities Do More Than Educate Students, and it's kind of surrounding Western Illinois University and, and like its impact and influence that public universities have, not only like on their you know, schools, but the community and the region at large. So do you want to just really quick just tell us about that story and what brought you to explore it in this particular angle? Well, the idea for the story probably came to me about a year ago. Tri-State's public radio had just been informed we would no longer receive appropriate funding from Western Illinois University. And so a lot of us were trying to, you know, figure out how we're going to proceed. Previous administration, you know, placed an emphasis on this idea that uh, we're, we're only going to keep things that directly benefit students and if you don't directly benefit students then why do we have you here 
what, what's the point? And um, I understand the idea of wanting to benefit students. Uh, I was one once upon a time, too, at Northern Illinois University, by the way. There you go. And one of my coworkers, uh, Jane Carlson, actually said this to me. These universities were created not just to educate students, but also to provide economic and cultural opportunities in parts of the state that might, other, might otherwise not have these opportunities. You know, it's not as if Macomb started a university and told the state to, to start funding it. It was the state that established this university system, and part of the reason behind it was to provide these economic and cultural opportunities. And uh, certainly in the rural areas out here in western Illinois, you know, this is the big employer. This is, as uh, Mayor Mike Inman, uh, Macomb Mayor Mike Inman uh, referred to uh, Western as being the largest employer in the region. So when you're talking about generating economic activity, it's a powerhouse. You know, a lot of this story, your story, is framed around it as, you know, the potential for for cultural experiences. And And it's twofold, right? I mean, you know, you need those sort of cultural and economic experiences to attract students to even come. But you need those students there to have those in the first place. So it's 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 a really tough situation, and and I, I do like you know, the story is kind of you use the restaurant uh, Chubby's as kind mm-hmm. of your, the entrance point in the, in the story and about when they started in in 2012, which you point out is even a couple years as enrollment had already been starting to fall. But they talk about how you know the vibe around Macomb and around the campus in 2012 was like you know, it was happy, it was fun, it was positive, and that they could feel like tangibly that that's that's different now. And and you know like you said, you've been in the community for a long time. Would you agree with that, that you could really kind of palpably feel that mood change in the last couple of years? Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with the uh, that two-year state budget impasse that really hurt the public university system in the state. And so, so while some of the problems might have to do with how the local leaders responded to it at the university, you know, a lot of the blame uh, goes on the state, too. That, that two-year state budget impasse, you know, that funding still has not been made up. Uh, that was really damaging. I don't know how many people could operate a business going without any missing a big chunk of their income for a couple years like that. Absolutely, and you can. It's another thing if you go over to wnij.org or any of the public radio, uh, any of our public radio websites, you can check out. And there's a bar graph in your story that talks about the historic state appropriations to to public universities, and you can see it. You know, like we point out that in, in 2002, that was kind of the high watermark for for what where state funding was at, and it's kind of mm-hmm. been falling ever since. And it goes down pretty steadily, but then you see, especially that 2016 year. And it's just sliced into like a third. It's jarring even visually to look at. It is. So uh, one of the people I interviewed for the story is Chris Merritt. He's the uh, director of the Illinois Institute for Rural Affairs at Western Illinois University. He sort of outlines three socioeconomic trends that affect Western Illinois University and Macomb. One of them is long-term, which is the rural population decline. Mm-hmm. West Central Illinois has experienced decades of overall population decline. Uh, one of these trends he refers to as being medium-term, uh, state disinvestment from public higher education in Illinois, what we, which is what we were just talking about. It peaked in 2002. Enrollment declines mirror state funding support declines. And then he refers to the uh, third, what he called a short-term trend, 
and that would be the state budget impasse. And uh, Chris Merritt says there is pretty clear evidence that the state budget impasse had significant impacts on student enrollment and on economic impacts that are being downplayed or ignored, in his opinion. You can even bring that to some other stories that we've definitely touched on in this enrollment exodus, you know, the exodus part of the enrollment exodus title, which is, you know, people because of the state budget or because of all the lack of investment in public institutions uh, leaving the state. And, and, you know, that's just a fact is that when those people, when students leave Illinois to go to school, most often they don't come back. And so that's another huge impact on, on right, on, on business and on the economics of it all. Certainly, you know, one of Western's uh, selling points w- for many years was uh, the lower cost tuition that it was able to uh, to offer. Well, uh, when you're not getting any funding from the state anymore and you still have uh, salaries to pay, bills to pay, et cetera, you got to come up with that money from somewhere. And so tuition starts to go up and all of a sudden one of the things that made a Western attractive is is no longer there. I'm really fascinated by the the long term aspect of it. Just the you know overall population decline in, in rural areas. I know uh, Eastern Illinois University had I believe a bit of a rebound. They did uh, yes. a bit of an increase in their student enrollment uh, this fall, and if, if I recall correctly. Uh, uh, they credit part of that to the recruiting they did in the immediate area of Charleston. Well, Western here, if the population is declining, you could still do a good job of recruiting here, and there are just fewer students to recruit. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the the, the past administration, the past leadership at Western that was really you know marred by not only the enrollment decline, but like you said you know program cuts and, and layoffs and all of that. I'm, I'm curious, you know, it, it's still relatively new, like the new leadership, the new president only came in this summer, right? Uh, so, so he's actually an acting president right now. We have right. a lot of acting and interim people, it seems, at, at Western right now. Sure. But uh, Dr. Martin Abraham came to Western actually to be the provost starting July 1st of this year. But when uh, President Jack Thomas announced he would step down at the end of June, well, the provost is the number two person at the university. So uh, Dr. Abraham has stepped in to be the acting president. Uh, The Board of Trustees is scheduled to meet uh, the the first Friday of October. And theoretically, uh, they would appoint an interim president at that time who would uh, then continue to serve uh, while the search goes on to find the next, uh, I guess, full-time president of Western Illinois University. They talk a little bit about in the story about how the new administration is at least like reaching, reaching out more to local businesses and things like that. But I'm, I'm curious what else you've heard as far as like other strategies or, or ways they're hoping to try to rebound. You can't just sit back and wait for a new president to be hired or even an interim to be appointed. You have to get down to business, and so that is what they're doing. And they're making plans, and acting President Abraham has said he anticipates uh, enrollment will be down again next fall. That's kind of just built in because you have a larger class graduating than what you might be able to bring back in. But he's targeting 
fall of 2021 uh, to turn things around and say that's when we need to start seeing increases again. You know, even as recent as recently as the fall of 2010, en- enrollment was still above 12,500. And uh, this this fall, uh, the enrollment numbers that came out recently uh, show Western at 7,600 uh, students, 7624. So just uh, in this decade, we've seen uh, quite the drop in, in enrollment. Looking looking at all this, and, and actually I did want to point out too that you, you mentioned that uh, was it the fall of 2021, like the 2021-22 school year is when they were hoping to see things start to rebound a little bit more? Yes. Yeah, because I know that NIU was saying actually that uh, they, the next year is when they expect things to to level out, and then that next year as well after that is the one that they really are, are projecting at least for for enrollment to, to see an increase for the first time in a while. These issues did not develop overnight, and you're not going to turn things around overnight. It's going to take a year or two, especially when you have new leadership coming in. And certainly you cannot allow uh, things to continue to decline in the meantime. Uh, And that's why I say uh, the interim slash acting administration right now is not waiting around. They they are taking action now uh, because you simply cannot afford to wait. You know, the story uh, kind of ends with talking to these uh, the two owners of of Chubby's and Mm -hmm. talking about how, you know, despite everything, despite what the story is about, which is, you know, this enrollment decline and, and kind of the struggles that the areas had with it, that they do feel optimistic about the future and but they also make that that caveat too right that's like you know we're optimistic but we also hope that we're still around when things do pick back up and i guess the thing i wanted to ask you rich was do you think that that optimism is earned I, you know I'm, i guess i'm asking if you also feel optimistic about western's future and the future of the area itself well it certainly feels different on campus it certainly felt different the the first opportunity we had to uh to interview uh, Dr. Abraham and the uh, new admissions director, uh, Doug Freed. Uh, it just felt like a different attitude, and just uh, what you hear from people in the community is that uh, this acting or interim administration is reaching out and trying to be part of the community and try to bring the community into Western a little bit more, too. So um, I think there's certainly... Uh, reason to be optimistic. I mean, what else do you have if you aren't optimistic uh, uh, with new leadership that that things can be changed? And certainly as uh, Chicago baseball fans, Peter, we can both uh, recognize there's always hope when you bring in a new management team, right? Listen, there is always next year. If they want to listen, if they want to read your your story, where can they find that at, Rich? They can find that at uh, tspr.org. And uh, you can, we stream, you can listen to us if you want to, you can check out the stories, uh, you can donate to us if you want to. Uh, there's all sorts of things you can do at tspr.org. All right, Rich, thanks so much. We'll see you around. All right, see ya. Like I said earlier, Teacher's Lounge will be back to normal the next episode, so make sure, go over and subscribe if you haven't, and please go over to teacherslounge at niu.edu, email us, nominate a teacher in your life who you think should be featured on the show, and send us your suggestions for topics that we should be covering. 
Of course, special thanks to Rich Egger of Tri-State's Public Radio for appearing on this special Enrollment Exodus edition of Teacher's Lounge. And a big thank you to the Rockford area band Kind Ofs once again for providing this amazing music that you get to hear in every episode of our show. If you want to find more of their stuff, Kind Ofs is spelled K-I-N-D-O-V-E-S. And you can see their appearance or listen to their appearance on another podcast we have at WNIJ called Sessions from Studio A that you should also be subscribed to. Thank you to Spencer Tripp for making our wonderful Teacher's Lounge logo that I'm sure you're looking at right now on the podcast service of your choice. And I hope you're subscribed and I hope you've left us five stars because we will be back with another episode of Teacher's Lounge that will be much similar to the ones that you've heard before. We're going to be back to our regularly scheduled programming in two weeks, the payday schedule as we like to call it. So hopefully you will come back for that. I've been your host, Peter Mudlin. Have a great week.